0: I will call upon you to do a service
2: for me. Play the Godfather. Now at com. Welcome to the family.
3: VGW Group. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lop Talk
2: Radio. Uh oh. Guess what day it is? Julie. Huh? Julie. Huh? Guess what day it is? Guess what day it <laughs> is? Guess what day it is? <laughs> Anybody? Anybody? Mike, 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 ah? What day is it, Mike? Huh? Ah? woo Listen, guess what today is. Listen, guess what today is.
3: It's hump day. Hump
2: day! <laughs> it's hump day. Hump day! woo
4: hoo <laughs> Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Donaldson Files. Uh... Um, yeah, uh, tonight we're going to kind of do a little bit things a little bit differently. We've got, uh, I've got people, uh, hopefully calling in, uh, friends of mine to talk about their Thanksgiving, what they plan to do. We're going to try to stay away from the political side tonight, uh, maybe take a more longer view of people thinking Thanksgiving and what they do and what their traditions are. So, um. Uh, I mean, we're expecting, like I said, I'm expecting Kyle Hester to come on very shortly. And with me is Dr. Larry Federer. And I guess, Dr. Larry, I'm going to be joining you on your show as well with a similar theme. Am I, is that correct?
1: Yes, sir. Except we're not going to leave politics alone. <laughs>
4: <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I Yeah, I guess this is, I mean, who knows what kind of happens tonight, but it's one of those things where I was hoping uh they have a little bit of a break because I do this every day, and uh, you know, unlike some people, you know, when you do this for a living, it's kind of nice to actually get a little bit of a break on this. And also on the line is Kyle Hester. Kyle, how's it going? it's going pretty good, man.
0: It's going pretty good. Well, thank you for having me on. And uh, yeah,
4: yeah, we're just dodging yeah.
0: thunderstorms over here. All right, so well, so now,
4: where in Louisiana are you living right now?
0: Uh, Mandeville, which is um, on the north shore of Lake Pontchartrain from New Orleans, so it's just like okay. on the other side of the lake. Big lake, but just on the other side of the lake.
4: So say, like so, you're basically in that Louisiana, no New Orleans
3: area. Correct. Absolutely. Yeah.
4: yeah. Well, let me say, I'm Tom Donaldson. I am the chairman of America's PAC, and also the Project Director and Research Associate of America's Majority Foundation. I'm the author of eight great books, none of which are bestsellers, but you know what? They should all be bestsellers, uh, including Rise of National Populism and Democratic Socialism. And what our response should be, uh, written in 2017, 2021, the sequel of the book will be coming out, uh, as, as I'm now starting to write that as we speak. Uh, Dr. Larry Feederer, Dr. Larry, you got so much of a big resume. Why don't you just kind of give everybody a brief on, you know, your resume?
1: Well, um, I basically am a weekly columnist for uh, Richfield Press and uh, and uh, a colleague of uh, you on on this network. Uh, in fact, my show follows this one and. Uh, Then uh, we do, of course, uh, we do a lot of uh, uh, consulting work and and all that kind of stuff. uh, I had a a long time and many, many uh, different uh, uh, roles and jobs. I guess I never could keep a job. I kept moving along. So... uh, uh we're uh, trying to keep on top of everything, and uh that we finally fell off <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. Uh, we're trying to cope with that now yeah
4: well i like I said tonight I thought we did we talk about you know, what Thanksgiving means to you uh some of your great thanksgiving memories that you can think of uh is more of a, like i said I was you know you know the major thing is you know, what's your normal tradition. You know, what did you guys, what's everybody doing this time around with, uh, you know, COVID and and now that we're not, you know, kind of, you know, you know there's no big gathering and all of that. So, but before I do, I do need to also, Kyle, why don't you kind of tell everybody, you know, what's going on with your life, what you're doing, what you're working on?
0: All right. Very cool. Um, My name is Kyle Hester, and I am an actor and independent film producer. Uh, You can check out uh, The Chair with Roddy Piper. uh, That is on Amazon, and you can also see Zombie with a Shotgun, and that is on Amazon and Tubi as well. I have another film called Preacher 6 in post-production, and I'm about to take everyone on a journey on my YouTube channel through production of this new film that's in development now called uh, Possession in in the Bayou. And uh, so, figure, I'm in Louisiana, so I'm going to have to make a film about it. So, that's what's happening. So, Kyle Hester Land is my YouTube channel, so just look up Kyle Hester on YouTube and um, and come along for the ride.
4: Hey, now, Kyle, you originally, you're from the New Orleans area, correct? Because your father <laughs> you played with the Saints?
0: Yeah, yeah, my dad played for the Saints. I was born, I was born in New Orleans, and um, so basically... Yeah, my family's been been in Louisiana since before it was Louisiana, so um, that's funny because like now that I'm in Mandeville, it's like I, I, my aunt and uncle are here, and I have a bunch of cousins are here, and this, uh, this particular city is only thirteen thousand people, um, so which is kind of crazy going from LA to to Mandeville. But um, yeah, but it's but it's awesome. I'm already getting in touch with film people here, and and I'm uh, gonna make a splash.
4: Yeah, good. Now let me ask you a question because I know I've had other people say to me, you know, going to Louisiana to make films, and I never realized that what a big film state it is. Because I had another friend of mine uh, who has, you know, worked on the film, you know, in films in Lewis and lives in Hollywood now, and was saying that, you know, he, you know, every so often he would called me from New Orleans, you know, from Louisiana, saying, hey, I got the, I'm working on a project. What the hell are you doing in Louisiana? Because this is where we're filming stuff. <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah, right on. It it began, uh, you know, it started to be called like Hollywood South um, years ago, and uh, I think that from all the the tax incentives that they had for film, so a lot of productions came here, including like NCIS New Orleans. Um, They're still shooting that here, and um, and a lot of films get made here because of the uh, the tax incentives. Um, So so yeah, it kind of like an industry was born. Out of um a you know the governor just saying hey let's let's give some people a break and and make it worth their while to come to Louisiana and shoot stuff and that's it's been kind of how it's built from there
5: mhm-
4: yeah, well uh okay know real quick 'cause I do want to kind of before we get into some you know the stuff' know uh, no, dr Larry, you you. Know, yeah, you know, you've you've been on the show, but I want to kind of talk, you know, kind of briefly, because in the during the Bush years, you were involved with the production manufacturing of the vaccines in those days. So, kind of talk very briefly about some of the the vaccines, you know, what you had to do, and uh...
1: well, um, we we were I I was. Uh, Working with a uh, uh, top-level consulting firm for big pharma, and uh, we—I uh, was at a at a party with uh, Tommy Thompson, who was the uh, secretary of uh, health. Uh, I don't remember. I can't remember what they called it in those days. But anyway, he was, uh, and we mentioned the word. Uh, he asked me what I was doing, and I said, "Well, we're." you know, we're working on, uh, various things and including vaccines. Well, the word vaccine just prompted, a an alert. So he says, he grabbed my arm and he said, stay here. And then he said, Alex, Alex. And, uh, Alex Azar came over who was a, uh, the chief counsel at the time for, uh, HHS. And he said, uh, talk to this man. <laughs> so, so, uh, it turned out that uh president bush was uh very concerned about uh uh the uh what we were calling in those days the 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 flu for the, the, the swine flu and uh, so anyway it, 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 that led to uh Alex and I had to put he wanted to start a uh we found out basically he, he found out that there was not a single com- company in the United States of America that was producing vaccines. And the reason was because uh, they would, they, most of them had, had the experience of uh, doing a lot of vaccine um, production for uh, a uh, situation that never occurred. And so they were left uh, dumping it all in, uh, in the ocean and um uh, they didn't want to do that very long, so they got out of the business well, he wanted to start another another uh, american uh version of uh of uh, vaccine uh production and uh they just had no idea how to do it so we we finally got a a big contract to uh help them put together a uh, capability of uh, uh, the government assisting the industry to uh, make, uh, to develop a vaccine uh, program. And um, so that really led to what is now BARDA, the, uh, which is a, uh, the, 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 interesting, the interesting problem was that they, they just had no idea of how to deal with people that are working for profit. So I, we went out and hired a whole slew of uh, uh, retiring or mostly uh, recently retired uh, executives from uh, big, uh, big Pharma and uh, went through a really torturous period of trying to teach the government how to work with industry and the industry how to work with government. So it was really an interesting, uh, an interesting uh, period. And we finally got it done. It came in handy now with this uh, COVID thing because the Barter guys have really been the ones that have been, uh, uh, you know, showing showing the way for uh, both sides of that equation in uh, in the rapid development of the uh, of the uh, COVID uh, vaccine.
4: Yeah, hold on to that, right there. This is Tom Donaldson with uh, Kyle Hester and uh, Dr. Larry as we talk. Thanksgiving.
1: This is Dr. Larry Fedowa, host of the Dr. Larry Show on the Bachelor News Radio Network. Inviting you to listen live every Wednesday evening from 7 to 8 p.m. Eastern Time at blogtalkradio.com and the podcast Every Monday through Saturday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time at the Bachelor News dot Airtime dot Pro. I am called the Philosopher of Current Events, an independent, open-minded conservative with my own ideas. If you are interested in advertising or having your own show, email us at la Bachelor forty at gmail dot com. <laughs> That's, like That's a good show. <laughs> <laughs> that's, yeah
4: i thought i understand it's a great show so who you got on tonight along other than myself
1: uh, we have uh l a bachelor uh who is the uh owner of this uh network and also uh dr david rare who is a uh, nationally known uh, uh expert in the whole political field of uh How to, he calls it uh, the the voice of the people, how to to make the voice of the people known. He's a professor at uh, uh, George Mason University.
4: Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, Before we get going here, there's one little thing here. Kyle, I did not realize your dad was on the original inaugural New Orleans Saints team. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah, I think. He is, uh, yeah, he was on 71 to 73. I think the Saints, um, I think they started yeah. the team in 66, I believe. Yeah. But uh, so, yeah, he was right there yeah. in the yeah. beginning. He he played with say, uh, played well, with Archie actually, Manning.
4: Yeah. Because right, he looked, okay, I was just wondering, because he looked like, is is it Jimmy Hester? Is that is that your dad's
0: name? Uh, Ray Hester. Oh, Ray Hester. Oh, okay.
4: Yeah. Uh, I got the wrong Hester here. No. okay.
0: Oh, that's, that's all right. Yeah, yeah, we go. You know, yeah, so go then he played with
4: eat. Archie then. Yeah, yeah. No, he he. Yeah. So he went ahead and played with. Yeah. Now he was like, yes, so he was actually a uh, New Orleans guy because he's like, cause he's from Tulane.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, definitely, man. Uh, yeah, he's he was uh, Hall of Fame um, Tulane. And um, ended up, he, he was a walk-on at the Saints. He wasn't even drafted. So he was like, all right, let's 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 just do this. And he <laughs> walked on, and, you know, he was crazy enough to make the team. So that's yeah. that's all good.
4: Well, good. I mean, that's, uh, well, like I said, you can't, you know, that's an accomplishment in and of itself. So, uh, all right. Well, uh, let me put this one. I'm going to start with you, Dr. Larry. You Yeah. You know, when you think of, uh, thanksgiving, you know what comes to mind? What is it that you think of about uh Thanksgiving?
1: Well, traditionally, it's the time when we sort of sit back and say you know what what have we got to be thankful for and uh it turns out we've got a lot of things to be thankful for and uh it's just a really uh it's it's kind of it's kind of a healthy it's kind of a healthy exercise I think to uh, try to
2: uh-huh.
1: you know try to remember the the things that that really really are important in life and uh, so that's kind of what that's kind of what i'm about and uh, i think that uh we can we can all really do a i think we can really have a great uh uh, renaissance of our uh, faith in, in in our own life and, and our re- gratitude for for the country and the culture that we live in and um, a lot of things that we really don't have we didn't we didn't invent and we don't we didn't take any advantage of uh, but there they are so uh, that's that's kind of where. That's kind of what I think about it.
4: Okay, Kyle, yourself.
0: Yeah, you know what I what it's it kind of goes back to make, making the the memory uh, from a when I was a kid. You know, just like everybody would would kind of just be you. You could always count on everyone coming together like you know from no matter where they were it's like everybody would would come and make make it a thing to to meet up and you know bring a dish and you could always count on like the green bean casserole which is amazing by the way the southern green bean casserole is like if you ever had a chance to get to eat that I, I highly recommend it because they don't make it anywhere else than than the south that I have seen um, but uh yeah it's like a peach cobbler and and green bean casserole, and and, uh, and laughing around a table.
4: Well, man, what's so different between a southern green bean casserole and a green bean casserole? What do you guys do differently?
0: You know what? I couldn't tell you. I tried to, I tried to get a recipe um, from my aunt, and, um, and I have yet to get the recipe. But uh, I figure, you know, if I get – now that I'm back here, you know, I think I have to earn some time. Um, before, before I can get a recipe, so I wish I could answer that question. Yeah. Well, I,
4: I would like I say, You know, there's so much to be thankful for, and, and, and a lot of it. I mean, even in this day and age, uh, you know, this, you know, 2020, there's still quite a bit to be thankful for. Uh, you know, for you know, like, like I say, family celebration, or in our case, it'll be a virtual family celebration. That. Uh, Nobody ended up traveling anywhere. Uh, but, uh, you know, here's the thing. I'm just kind of starts this off because uh, there's I have a lot of memories of, you know, Thanksgiving. And there's always, like I said, there was one memory we have. Uh, and that is, you know, is that my dad and his brother, who's like there are two years difference apart, and they were a family of about seven or eight. I mean, there were seven in the family. And interesting enough, both my dad and his brother, Russell, were actually taught by two of their sisters, two of his sisters. I mean, they're actually, were, you know, they actually taught, you know, they got, they were teachers, you know, were two of his sisters. You know, that just gives you kind of an idea of the family and in those days. And he was actually part of those. Oh, yeah, you know those stories when you had those, you know, schoolhouse, you know, you know, you know, one building schoolhouse when you had literally, different grades in the same school, you know, the same room, you know, you know, they were actually still part of that in Missouri. And we, they were alternate, you know, my Uncle Russell, you had a farm out there, you know, right outside Baltimore, even though he, he also worked for, you know, one of the aerospace companies, and then he had, then he was like a part-time farmer. In addition, on to top of that, and we either go to his house and then we alternate to our house where we had you know a nice big sized yard where we could actually play football, so we would have family football games against each other. It was the Maryland Donaldsons versus the Virginia Donaldsons, and usually the Virginia Donaldsons triumphed, of course though, the other aspect that came in in play is that You know, the Maryland Donaldsons in those days had the Baltimore Colts. And we had the Washington formerly known as, you know, the team formerly known as the Redskins. And in those days, the Redskins sucked. And it was kind of the heyday of Johnny Unitas and the Baltimore Colts in the 60s where they were regular contenders for the title. So, you know, we got, you know, so they always got to brag about that. Uh, But I always enjoyed those games. Uh, It was just so much fun just to kind of throw the football around, especially on the farm because it was a nice-sized place where you could literally, you know, throw everywhere. And, of course, on the 4th of July was something else even better because, you know, they had firecrackers. And, and you know, there were no rules on the farm. Can you let loose? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so, I mean, my favorite thing was, you know, G- cousin Jeff, you know, he blows his firecracker down a chimney. And you know how it is, you know, it doesn't do anything for a little bit. You know, he's kinda of, you know, looking out, he's expecting the boom and he you know puts his face in and all of a sudden boom and he almost fell off. I mean he was basically
0: hanging on to the roof. He almost fell off it was uh Oh my god. Yeah, all, I mean, it, all it, it was, in the name of fun, you know. If if someone doesn't uh, go to the hospital, you didn't have enough fun. You <laughs> didn't have enough fun, yeah. <laughs> so uh, okay, Scott. Uh, yeah, what's the, uh, you know, what's one memory that you have, you know, growing but, up? But you know, it's 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 funny that um that we would we would also do the do the same thing. Um, we we would have a my my grandmother had a ping pong table in um on her outside porch in in New Orleans, and um and so we would have you know we everybody would eat and then we would go basically have like a ping pong um, uh, championship. Now I was I was you know not an adult at this time, but um, I didn't realize that like uh, the adults had been drinking, so they were no longer as good at ping pong as they were normally. And I was like, why why are they sucking at ping pong right now? <laughs> you know what I mean? But yeah, so we would go and have like a a ping pong uh, championship. So
1: that was good. Uh, and
0: about you, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Dr. Larry, what about yourself?
1: Well, one of my most, my most, uh, treasured memories, I guess, is, is my, uh, my mother's people were, uh, the Murphys. And, um, uh, they had a big, big family. And, um, uh, we used to, every Thanksgiving, uh, grandma murphy would uh, host the whole the whole clan and it was it was mainly uh learning learning to know and 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 getting much better acquainted with uh, so many cousins and and also our uncles and aunts and i remember uh i remember uh my uncle basil who was uh he was my one of my dad's and my mother's favorite uh, uncles, and and um, I remember going. I had a little. This was in the, in the war, and I had a little uh, uh, uniform that I uh, put on for the uh, occasion, and uh, so I went. I went on there. I must have been about I don't know six or seven years old, and. Uh, so I went up to my, uh, to Uncle Basil, and I said, hi, God, Dad, and he looked shocked. He said, what did you say? I said, hi, um, hi God, Dad, and he was my godfather, and uh, <laughs> so then he so he started taking me around to all the the big uncles, and they, they all, of course, look like giants, and he said, this, this kid's got a sense of humor. <laughs> he said, tell him what you <laughs> told me. <laughs> so so that was my that was my formal introduction to entertainment. Mm-hmm.
4: Well here's the other yeah, thing awesome. because the Yeah, because, you know, one of the things is like I say, my youngest daughter you know, works in the museum system of New York. I mean that's and at the time you yeah, know I mean like she got she was at nine eleven. And the thing is she never you know, like I say, the Holidays were like their biggest time, so she basically never got off Thanksgiving or Christmas. So I would fly. There. I've been, you know, up in you know, I would fly to
2: uh,
4: New York, so she would have somebody there with her, and 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 one of the traditions we started. At, you know, we had, you know, unfortunately we're not there this year, but in the past, you know, last, past few years, is our turkey dinner would be a steak dinner at Morton. There was a Morton Steakhouse.
1: Uh, I remember night. Yeah,
4: yeah, night and nine. It's by nine eleven. It's you know steakhouse by nine eleven, and and that would be basically she would get off work, and and I'll tell you the truth. There have been you know, I mean, literally, I think there was one time where we were like the only people because she would get off work about nine. They would be open till about midnight, and we would, and we'd be like only about <laughs> the only person. I think one time we were like the only person there. You know, it was just us and the waiter and the bartender and the cook. So basically, we got some pretty good service that night. And that, you know, that, you know, that is like one of those things that became like our, you know, our tradition. You know, steak uh, at Morton's, and then the, the next day is uh, it's an amazing thing about Big Ten schools. The Big Ten, they must. They have, you know, like Iowa, Ohio State, Michigan. I mean, you go to almost major cities, and they'll have their own alumni club. And they had a little and I, the Iowa, the University of Iowa has this alumni club, the Manhattan, Iowa. And every during football season, they would rent out a bar where there'd be nothing <laughs> but Iowa football, nothing but Iowa football. It'd be everybody from Iowa. You know, and they would literally get hundreds. Of, I mean, they, I mean, they would be packed. I mean, they would literally have three hundred, four hundred people at the bar, you know, during Iowa football games. And then, you know, Thanksgiving, I would always, you know, and since you know, like 2011, they, you know, Nebraska and Iowa would put, to, you know, would have their annual game after, you know, the day after Thanksgiving, Friday game, and and you know, and we always made it. As You know, deal that we make. You know, she made sure she got off work that day, and we would all go to this, you know, to the bar. And again, like I say, it'd be like we're—it's nothing but Iowa fans, literally nothing but Iowa fans. And the nice thing about it too is this—you guys, you'll appreciate this, both of
0: you—is
4: every time Iowa score a touchdown, you got a free
0: shot. Oh my God! All right.
4: Yeah, well, you got to remember, too, because over the past, I mean, here's the thing. Basically, Nebraska, you know, you know, we have owned Nebraska. We won six out of the last seven games on this day against Nebraska. You know, up to this point, Nebraska used to beat us all the time. But over the last seven years, we basically have their number. And we've had games in which we would score like 50 points and 40 points. I mean, the average score. I mean, literally, we had a couple of close games, but usually on the average, it was like, you know, a two or three touchdown average. So you can imagine how many shots there were. I mean, we had one game where we were like 50. I mean, (laughs) they had
0: like eight
2: touchdowns.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's like, well, I'm not sure exactly how many touchdowns we're going to have, so I'm going to make sure I get my drink on as well, and then you just never know what's going to happen on the plus of that.
4: Was exactly, that's exactly what it was. I mean, it uh, literally, you know, it's so, yeah. This is Tom Donaldson uh, with the Donaldson Files and uh, with Kyle Hester and Dr. Larry here on the Bachelor News Radio Network. Yeah, don't forget, ladies and gentlemen, get your flu shots, ladies and gentlemen. And also don't forget for Buffalo Wild Wings. Uh, if you will, They're basically one of the – it's the one bar that you can basically get any sporting event you want, they'll find it for you on Buffalo Wild Wings. And All right, quick question. First, the next question I'm going to ask you, this year, what are, you know, what are your both you – know, what is your plans for uh, Thanksgiving? I know, Kyle, this is like the first time in a long time you've been back in Louisiana So what you got going uh, this time around?
0: Well, you know, it's funny. Um, Okay, so my aunt and uncle live probably about five miles from me, and they had invited us to come over for Thanksgiving. And then I got a little cold, and then I gave it to my wife. So I'm I'm like, I'm pretty much better, but she's, like, still got it. So so we're not going to go. So we're just – I mean, I I called her a few days ago, you know, so, so yeah, so we were invited to like a very small gathering and, um, and we were going to go over there, but, uh, but yeah, so we're just going to, we're just going to kind of eat at the house tomorrow and do a little pot roast.
2: Oh,
4: okay. And, uh, what do you got planned? Um, Larry?
1: Yeah. Well, you know, we usually have the, we usually have the whole clan, meeting at uh jay gilbert's which is a restaurant in mclean virginia and um, uh but not this time so this time we're going to get where our uh, daughter is uh going to pick up some of the uh the dinner from jay gilbert's and bring it over the, the three of us are going to have thanksgiving dinner together and the rest of them uh you know they they're all everybody's well they're really concerned about this covid thing and so um, it's very very quiet compared to compared to your past years
4: yeah. well yeah like you said what we're going to attempt to do i know mean, we haven't worked out all the details yet but like i said i know my oldest is in Reno Nevada and my youngest will be in New York, and we're thinking about having what we call a Netflix party. Uh, basically what a Netflix is that my oldest has figured out a way that we can all watch a movie about 3,000 miles apart on Netflix. And so we, uh-huh. sometime, after, sometime after the Dallas Cowboys-Washington football team game, yeah, we'll probably do something like that tomorrow night. Um, we got turkey, dressing, the whole ball of wax. So I'm going to have turkey basically for the next week, <laughs> <laughs> because, because it'd be just two of us eating it. Uh, and so, so call it a virtual, a virtual Thanksgiving. And uh, yeah. you know, well, that uh, sounds awesome. But here's, yeah, it actually would be kind of fun. I mean, it'd be kind of fun. I mean, like I say, because ever so often we do have these movie nights where. You know, or you know, show nights, whatever we wanna we call it Netflix right? because sometimes I mean like for example, my uh I don't know if you ever the show there's a British show and then it's called the Great Breakup, the The Great Bake Off. I don't know if you guys have ever seen that.
0: Uh no, I haven't seen that. No. Well We're basically not. what it
4: is, it's a it was a British show. I know they had they tried to get it going to the US a couple of times, but it's a British show. And basically they invite you know amateur chefs you know people who are you know you know the real- you know they got a reputation being you know they don't do this for a living, but they're very good cooks, and so they basically start out with twelve and each week they eliminate people and they will have all of these different baked you know bakeries you know desserts and everything else and uh and so they you know and so they basically will have like every show they have three what they call three different meals three different desserts that they would be baking. And of course they have these two comedians who add the, you know, cause they'll have their sense of humor to the whole thing. And, uh, and then they have two chefs, you know, two, I guess, experts who are the final judges of this. And it's kind of interesting.
0: Oh, you know, okay, how, wait a minute. I've, I've seen that show, and they kind of pick apart each other's desserts and stuff?
4: Yes, exactly.
0: Exactly. Yeah, and yeah, these okay. two guys, and,
4: uh, and the thing, yeah, I mean, and, you know, so it's a lot of pressure because these people are sitting there cooking, you know, under the light, and it's like, you know, they're giving the recipe. Here's your recipe. Here's everything you need. Now you got two hours to do it, or you got three hours to do it, or an hour to do it.
0: And, right, right. Yeah, and you know, one of, the, and one so, of the, the the judges are like brutal to the people. Yeah Paul, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, and
4: Paul Paul is the guy who's like they have this woman and then they have Paul who's the you know, he's kinda like the Gordon Ramsay at this show. Right. Uh and so and it's yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a, kind of an interesting so it's very interesting. But like I say, again and then, you know, like I say, well watch football. Uh, two of the three games are still going to be played. It looks like the, uh, the Steelers and the Ravens are going to be saved for Sunday night because uh, uh, of COVID. But but here's the other thing too: the red, you know, the Washington football team now, formerly known as the Redskins and the Cowboys, in the '60s, that used to be the the regular Thanksgiving game. You know, the Cowboys got for whatever reason, somebody decided we're going to have the Cowboys on Thanksgiving along with the Lions. And 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 for the first four few years it was the Redskins versus the Cowboys, and and the two games I'll never forget. One was in '66. You know the Redskins were basically the Redskins. They were on their way to a 500 season, which was their best, you know, in the pre-George Allen era. You know they went to and and Sonny Jurgensen. But Sonny Jurgensen, I don't know if you remember uh, Larry. Sonny Jurgerson?
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Big yeah. Uh, well,
4: yeah. Well, Sonny was, like I say, he was like the... You know, he was a gunslinger, but he was like a great quarterback in the 60s. And for whatever reason, he would basically have great games against the Cowboys. No matter how bad the Redskins were, he would rip the Cowboys apart. And and in those days, in the 60s, I don't know if there was interest in the sixties. In those days, the the announcers were not; they were not all national announcers. You know, they would have local, you know the you know the local announcers actually do the national games. And Jack Buck was the Cowboys, you know, the famous Jack Buck who was the famous Cardinals guy. Baseball was also the football for the Cowboys. And he was a real homer. And he would always say things like, "Well, when you beat Mel Wenfro, you beat a great one." And, and in those days, we had Bobby Mitchell, Charlie Taylor, two of the great receivers of the '60s, and Jerry Smith, who was a great tight end. And they would routinely beat the Cowboys' defensive backs. In and I'll never, yeah, you know, and I'll never forget it. Be like one. There was one game where Taylor literally had. Mel Winfrow's shoes, you know, faked right out. Easy touchdown. And there's Jack Buck, you know, like, well, I guess you, he did be the great one.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. That's yeah. Joe Buck's but father. Was,
4: yeah. Is it, yeah. was it? Yeah, it was. Exactly. Yeah, Joe Buck, yeah. And he was, a, like that, he was a famous announcer. His fame was the Cardinals. I mean, that was his fame. He was a great baseball announcer play-by-play for the St. Louis Cardinals for decades. And for whatever reason, the Cowboys hired him to do their games during the football season. And in, in those days, I mean, seriously, the NFL would basically have, if it was a home game, they would have the home announcers do the TV games. It wasn't like it is today where you have... You know the CBS has their own. You know they have their own announcement. NBC has their set announcer. They literally like Ray Scott was another one. He was the Packers announcer, and of course the yeah. thing is the Cowboys, the Cowboys and the Packers were always on TV. So you got to know these guys because they were like, you know, every you know they were like the you know the game of the week would be the Vince Lombardi Packers or the Cowboys. And so.
1: Well, I had some I have some stories about the about the Packers. Uh, I was uh, when I was working on my doctorate in uh, Milwaukee at uh at Marquette University, I got a summer job up in uh, St. Norbert College in uh <clears throat> Green Bay. And so I would go up there and stay in the dorm all week while I uh, did my teaching and then uh I would uh go home on weekends well, it turned out that I was in the same dorm as the as the whole Packers team and uh, so I got to know all those guys and uh I never forget you know well <laughs> the first time that I was talking to Ray Nitschke, who was a uh, he was the uh, uh you know the, the supposedly one of the toughest linebackers that ever lived. And he was in in person uh, off the field. He was a very uh, gentle guy, and we were talking uh, as we walked over to uh, to lunch one day, and and uh, then uh, he walks into the uh, pa- the players had their own their own dining room, and then the students and faculty had the other had another another room altogether. So he he he's walking along and i said well i gotta i gotta go over here and he, he basically i don't think heard me and he, so he's still talking to me, and he's walking into their layer the player's uh, dining room and he t- turned it around he said where are you <laughs> so i i'm over here so uh after that, <laughs> he made sure that I had an invitation to eat with the eat with the packers and uh, so that uh that was a that was a really uh interesting time and uh yeah I was a young kid you know I was just uh, sort of trying to make my own way in the in the, in the big old world and here I had all these giants <laughs> that I was getting familiar with and of course the the, the shortest guy in the whole team was uh, Lombardi and uh so he was another guy you know he was very shy in in person uh when he wasn't uh, coaching or he wasn't you know running something uh he was a, he was a very kind of a really shy guy and uh hmm. i was uh so anyway I, I that that's that that was my period in the sixties and uh in uh in, in the football NFL.
4: Yeah, this is Tom Donson uh, with the Donaldson Files here uh, with Dr. Larry and Kyle Hester. We're talking Thanksgiving. Uh, if you want to talk more, you can call us at 646-929-0130, 646-929-0130. Also, uh, our show every day at 3 a.m. and 10 a.m. in the morning, Eastern Standard Time. You can see the Donaldson Files on the Airtime. Dodge Pro.
3: Tune into you and the law with Chief Virgil Green and Chief Keith Humphrey. The show focuses on law enforcement and their relationship with the black community while letting you know your legal rights as a citizen when confronted by the police. Listen live every Tuesday night from 7 p.m. to 8 p.m. Eastern at blogtalkradio.com and the podcast every Monday through Sunday. At four a.m. and six p.m. Eastern at the Bachelor dot airtime dot pro.
4: And, and also don't forget, ladies and gentlemen, it is Locker Talk with Barry Bondsberry is where you can hear about the NFL stars in tomorrow. Today listen to Barry every Friday at nine a.m. Eastern Standard Time at BlocktalkRadio dot com slash LA Bachelor and the podcast every day, two to three p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Back-to-back episodes on the Bachelor News on Airtime Pro. Interested in having your own show or advertising? Email us at labachelor40 at gmail dot com. You'll listen, stay informed. Again, don't forget, ladies and gentlemen, you can get this show every day, three a.m., ten a.m. on the Bachelor News on Airtime Pro. Okay, what's your favorite? Thanksgiving I mean, of the Thanksgiving meal, what's your favorite part of the meal? And I'll start with you, Kyle.
0: Yeah, I I like the classic man. You get like dark meat and the cranberry sauce, and I am I'm, I'll just sit there with dark meat, cranberry sauce, and some mashed potatoes, and I'm good to go. So definitely the the classic. Yeah.
4: How about you, Doctor Larry?
1: Um, i guess uh the pumpkin pie <laughs> uh that'll be my my favorite mm-hmm. nice well i'm kind of,
4: yeah yeah you know, i like you say to me, i love the turkey, i love the dark meat I'm kind of like' Kyle. I love the dark meat uh i also love the stuffing the stuffing is that is you know it, it, it with my is my favorite and my wife makes really good mashed potatoes and gravy uh and so you know that's obviously you know the gravy over the mashed potato with the turkey the stuffing and uh yes and cranberry sauce on top of that so i'm like you i'm the classic the classic meal of thanksgiving
0: nice so yeah well, let me let me put. You ever, put it, you let, ever had like the, the pecan pie? Yeah. Oh, oh I yeah. Love pecan pie. God, yeah, yes. I love pecan pie. That
1: is great. Yeah, yeah,
0: I, that is like that, and, and I don't. I think it should be made all the time, but for some reason, it, it only shows up like it, you know, Thanksgiving and Christmas. But I think that yeah. uh, it, pecan pie needs to make a comeback. I'm, if I get a vote, that's what I vote.
4: Yeah, <laughs> I love pecan pie. I mean, I love it. It's. I like pecan pie better, and I like the pumpkin,
1: yeah, I do too, <laughs> yeah
4: you know, now that you know, now you know, yeah, you're absolutely right. We don't really talk about pecan pie all that much, but it is absolutely delicious now, you mentioned the southern green bean casserole what is there any other southern tradition that you know thanksgiving that we might want to know about Kyle? Uh, probably, yeah. I, I
0: I don't know. Have you had um? Well, I, mm, this is probably definitely something. Sweet potato pie, which is um, they make yams and then they b- bake it in the oven with marshmallows on top of it. So it's like it's a sweet potato marshmallow pie, and that sounds really weird, but it's it is actually awesome if you have never experienced such.
4: No, I've not yeah. Have you heard Yeah, I have you heard of that? I've never had a sweet Yeah, I've I've heard sweet potato pie, but I've never heard of it that way. That's interesting. But I've never really had a desire to eat sweet potato pie. Let me ask you a question. What does it taste like? I mean, if you could compare it to anything, what would you compare it to?
0: You know, I don't think that there's a comparison. I mean it's like uh uh, it's like shawmars without the chocolate, and you add sweet potatoes to it. I mean, there is no comparison. So, <laughs> I, it, it's like one of those very odd southern dishes that I don't think. I don't know. Maybe they just make it like in certain areas, or. But uh, yeah, I got I got nothing. No comparison for it. Mm-hmm.
4: Hey, well, let me put okay now. Doctor Larry, is there anything that I oh, mean? You you live in Virginia. And how right. long have you lived in Virginia? You, how long have you lived there in Virginia? Uh, I'd
1: say 1976. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. So that's so, it's a long time. Yeah, <laughs> A long time, yeah. Well,
4: actually, interesting, because that's when I left Virginia to come to the Midwest. Because
1: huh. you know, I, well,
4: I was raised in the Washington, D.C. area, so...
1: So, so they they, uh, they hired me to take your place.
0: <laughs> did you did you? The question is, did you pass the baton upon
1: coming and going?
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, uh, no. I always felt that there was a baton in my future, but I never saw it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right on.
0: Yeah.
4: Okay, here's a little bit of tidbits here. The programs. Ended up in Massachusetts, but what state were they actually wanting to go
1: to? The program started in Massachusetts.
4: Yeah, they started. I mean, here's the thing: the Mayflower was in Ma Okay, they went to Massachusetts. That's where they ended up. But which, what was their original destination? Uh, India. What were they th- no. no. Okay, how about you, Kyle? <laughs> okay. Ooh. Yeah. They were Yeah. They were basically. they ended up in Massachusetts, but that was not their original destination.
0: We're ta- you're talking about the Mayflower, is that is The Mayflower, right? that's correct, yes. Right. Okay. I believe they were blown off course in a storm but I don't know what the original destination was.
4: Uh, Jamestown, Virginia. Jamestown. Yeah. They oh, were yeah, yeah. They were originally wanted to settle near the original colony of Jamestown, and they ended yeah. up in
1: Massachusetts. Yeah, so, I, I I do remember that. Yeah, so
4: they're only off by half well, that's a,
0: they, they should have put okay. better motors on the boat, That's, you know. <laughs>
4: <laughs> well, here's the other story. So, because they originally dropped anchor at Cape Cod and came ashore of what is now Providence and Town. And they were there for about a month. But the local Indian tribe didn't take too kindly to them, so they got the message and decided to go. Uh, they moved out and went to what is, you know, where they, you know, they further indicate cod. So they actually went from one place to the other. And here's the interesting thing I was not aware of, but much of that winter, they lived, you know, most of the pilgrims actually were living on the ship, not on the shore, because they didn't make enough houses. And, and of course, they landed there approximately December, which in Massachusetts can be a very... Very cold to begin with, yeah,
0: yeah, well, that makes sense, so, yeah, so the ship so, became like the base of operations while they were building places to live-
4: bill- b- yeah building a place to live, yeah, yeah, like I said I never i mean these are a couple of things I just found out you know before I you know came on the air uh, but uh yeah, it's just an interesting little tidbit there, yeah. Uh, you know, like I can say because I I forgot about the, the the original topic of going to Virginia. Uh, that their entire goal was to go to Virginia, not to to Massachusetts. So I mean, that's like you know, coming to think of that's a pretty. I mean, how many god? How many miles would that be approximately? 1000 uh, i I'm thinking, man. Yeah, about a yeah. thousand.
0: That's yeah. It's a lot. That's it's a yeah. a big that's a big storm or a big miscalculation <laughs> or both. Yeah, that's a lot.
4: Yeah. Yeah. I mean that's yeah. It's let me find this out because I and now I'm curious and. Uh, Nobody, because like I said, that's that's that's, yeah, five hundred miles. Approximately 500 miles. I guess I didn't realize it was that close. I
1: that's don't know. By, that doesn't sound uh, very close. In is it, that by know. sea? Not by land. Well, that's that's by sea.
4: That's by land. Yeah, that's by land. By land. I'm looking at the yeah distance between Jamestown to around where Boston is, which uh, is Cape oh. Cod now. Yeah. You know. So.
1: Yeah. I thought it was farther than that. <clears throat> uh uh-huh,
4: Yeah. I did too. I mean, it, I, I take that back. So, okay, Cape Cod. It's six hundred and fifty miles. Six hundred and fifty. So, but still, I, that was a lot less than I thought it would be. Yeah, yeah. I guess you don't realize how close all these uh, areas are. That's uh, interesting. All right, all, okay, uh, like I said, we got. We're kind of running close to time. So. And what I want to do is give both of you guys a chance to kind of talk about, you know, your, your upcoming projects, what you, you know, what you plan to do. And uh, you mentioned already you are now working
0: on a movie.
4: Uh, you're doing post on Preacher Six, and post, you know, you was know, it post editing on Preacher yeah, Six? Yeah, yeah,
0: post, post production on Preacher Six. So basically, it's a uh, visual effects time. So it's all the the computer, you know, effects, which is visual effects and. Practical effects would be the physical stuff, but this, so this is all computer stuff at this point, and um, yeah. so it's, I just have to yeah keep keep making the money to keep paying the people to keep doing it. <laughs> so so that's what's going on yeah. with that one.
4: Now, when do you
0: when do you think that will be out? Um, sometime this year or not this year, sometime next year. Um, it should be all all wrapped up and, and out. So I don't have a time frame right now. It's um, just getting, you know, getting money and and paying the people, and get, it's like it's a juggling cats sometimes when you're doing an independent film because it's like you know you, I I don't have like bazillions of dollars to book out somebody's time, so I'm kind of like at the whim of other people of when they can do things between their you know jobs and whatnot. So it's a it's a juggling operation at this point.
1: Mm-hmm. You know now, that. That whole thing of uh, movies is is really kind of fascinating. We had we had uh, a, uh, a kind of a small group uh, that's making a movie about uh, lady detectives, and they uh, wanted to they wanted to use our barn and and it turned out some of our horses for the uh, for a certain scene or sequence. And oh, uh cool. Yeah, it was it was kind of interesting, you know, with all the makeup and the the, the different uh, costumes and how they had to change and it was. Uh, uh, Kyle, you're uh, you're in a really kind of an interesting business there.
0: Uh, yeah, you, every project you're making up everything as you go, and and I will thank you for all filmmakers for saying yes to that experience because that is like some of the most challenging part is getting um interesting places to shoot something that's going to like continue the story
1: like you want to tell and
0: so that's really cool that you did that.
1: Well, we had a lot of fun doing it. We even the horses had fun.
0: <laughs> oh, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Yeah.
4: So, how how many horses do you now have, Dr. Larry?
1: Uh, well, we just had our our lead mare just died and uh mm-hmm. That was very traumatic for, for uh, particularly for our our daughter who has uh, had kind of adopted that horse. She's known that horse now for most of her life. She was 33 years old, but you know that's pretty old for a horse. But mm-hmm. the Arabians t- tend to live longer anyway. So, uh, so with that we uh we we've been cutting back so we're actually down to about uh we're probably about three horses now we used mm-hmm. to have uh used to have about ten so uh it's uh i i just wrote i just kind of quasi published a a little uh, a little book about uh called suburban cowboy and it's on my website it's a uh Series of stories about how I got back into horseback riding after a uh, absence of uh, thirty years, and uh, it was uh, you know it's it's a series of whole horse stories about basically uh, me and and horses, (laughs) so so it's kind of fun. So that that's on. uh, Dr. under uh, personal stories. Mm-hmm. Very cool.
4: Okay. Yeah, that's cool. So, just real quick, what got you interested in horses to begin with?
1: Well, my dad was uh, like a lot of a lot of guys in his generation. Uh, they um, he, he wanted to have a farm in addition to his city job. So he decided to go out and have. Uh, he bought a farm, and uh, then he decided that uh, he really needed some stock. So, so, so he uh, he thought, "What do you What do you boys want?" We were kids, little kids, you know. We saw the western movies, so we said, "Oh, we'd like to have horses." So he said, okay, so we went out and got a couple of horses, and the rest is history.
4: <laughs> All right, let's say what we're going to do. We're, we're going to stop right there. This is uh, uh, Tom Donaldson here on the Donaldson Files on the Bastard News Radio Network. We thank both Kyle Hester for being on the show. Thank you, Kyle, for taking your time. And uh, and also, Dr. Larry. Well, I can say, Dr. Larry, you just stay where you are. Yeah. <laughs> Well, thank you for having me. Well, happy,
1: thanks, happy Thanksgiving, guys. Happy, you know, happy Thanksgiving.
4: Thanksgiving. Happy Happy Thanksgiving, you two. Kyle. we'll catch you. We'll catch you on another time on this on the bastard News Radio Network on the Donaldson Files.
1: You know, it's the Dr. Larry Show on the Bachelor News Radio Network. I'm Dr. Larry Fedewa, your host for the hour. And uh, tonight we're going to be talking about uh, giving thanks in the midst of a political strife. So here we are. The fate of the nation is at stake. And we wait helplessly as the wheels of justice slowly begin to turn. Triggering a breathlessness in our chests and the waiting goes on. And then along comes Thanksgiving, exhorting us to give thanks, we think. For the biggest mess since the presidential election of eighteen twenty four, when the House elected John Quincy Adams instead of the more popular Andrew Jackson. You gotta be kidding. We are totally dependent for a legitimate outcome on uh, on other people. I personally have not interviewed a single person who claims either fraud or innocence, nor have 99% of the general population. We are totally dependent on the word of others with no means of validating their claims. That is, of course, the responsibility of the judiciary the slowest pro- process in poli- politics. So with no other choice, we take another look at giving thanks. Surprisingly, there is a great deal of food for thought in that direction. First, we can give thanks for living in a country, which allows such a fundamental disputes to be decided peacefully. We can be thankful that there is, in fact, a chance... For every citizen to express a choice for all uh, the uh, individuals who will exercise power over their lives as well as uh, to vote for that choice. We can be thankful that the nation is uh, cares enough about protecting the right to have each citizen's vote be counted to go through a harrowing trial such as this year's election results. There are other life experiences also which merit our gratitude. High on this list is the fact that the American culture we live in so values personal freedom that it is the hallmark of our political identity. Americans will tolerate intrusions on their personal liberty as the COVID uh, uh, lockdowns have recently demonstrated, but only so far, as the uh, recovery has also proven. This is not a virtue won by anyone now living, but rather one which was formed and passed down to us by our elders. Our contribution is to adapt our freedom to the contemporary conditions and to pass on an updated sense of our national treasure to those who come after us. Yes, giving thanks is good for the soul and also for the blood pressure. And so Thanksgiving, happy Thanksgiving, everybody. And tonight we're going to have a uh, uh, just a, a, a general discussion uh, regarding... Uh, Picking up on some of these ideas that we really do have some things to be thankful for, which are not terribly obvious sometimes, and uh, this is a good chance to do that. And I'm going to be joined tonight by uh, three of my uh, my uh, people that I generally respect as a as a guys that really know what all of the side, different sides of this uh, sort of thing are. And the first is uh, uh, L.A. Batchelor, who is the uh, owner of this uh, network and, the, uh, and an impresario in his, own, in his own case. Tom Donaldson, who is a colleague and uh, radio host and uh, very active uh, in the uh, political uh, uh, arena. And, uh, and Dr. David Rohr, who is a, uh, a professor at uh, the George Georgia Mason University, and um, who is uh, also a an author and a, uh, a national expert on uh, the uh, well? I probably I'll let him explain that uh, on the uh, the role of people in uh, trying to uh, take uh, uh, to trying to talk to their government. So gentlemen, I uh welcome to the doctor yeah Larry Thanks, Larry. Show.
5: Larry. Yeah.
1: So, yeah. So uh what do you uh let's let's start off with uh putting you guys on the spot. Um uh what do you think of the uh, of the approach that we were taking in in terms of how you give thanks in the midst of a political strife? So let me start with uh LA.
6: Uh, politically, uh, I think that, um, uh, you know, first of all, I appreciate you, uh, inviting me. Um, I think that, um, whoever your candidate was like, and, uh, doc, we talked about this the other night, like enough, like it, it, people are like so politically, um, uh, connected or politically, uh, um, uh, in your face, if you will, that everybody just needs a break. People just need to rest. Whether you're a candidate, one that's not just the presidency, but uh, you know, down balloting, um, people are tired. Like enough, we, you know, we, there are some people are hurting in terms of, of this country, in terms of um, uh, getting monies and 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 the economics of that. But at the end of the day, people are just tired. And, and and doing the show and you guys all do shows and and my show, people just tired. Like, we just they're just tired. Like, enough. Let's just get let's just pray and get through the holidays and be done with it. So a lot of people are just exasperated um, and tired of all the political stuff that's been in their face. Is what I'm getting, and I'm thankful for that. Like, just to get a break from
1: that.
5: Well, first off, Larry, thanks for having me on, and I want to wish all your listeners a happy Thanksgiving as well, no matter where they are in the country. I was thinking about this earlier today after reading your column, and you know, it's easy to be thankful when things are good. We've had great economic results in the country for the last few years. We've been mostly at peace. People have been prospering. But now we've hit kind of a bump in the road with COVID, with the elections, with the markets, you know, with small business across the country being shut down by state rules and regulations. And I was thinking it makes being thankful even more important because it forces you to think about what's really important to you, to your family, and to the country. And I would be proactively say that one of the great things about America is how generous and how giving and how wonderful our people are, even though there's a lot of name-calling, but you constantly see of stories of neighbors helping neighbors, church groups, synagogue groups, nonprofits helping other people for no other reason other than to be kind. And I think that says something about our country, about our people, and it says something about Thanksgiving. Oh yeah,
4: uh, you know, yeah. Uh, you know, I'm going to put it this way. Yeah, you know, like you say, I say, I think you know, you know, if you like I say, as a guy who makes his living doing politics, you know, you know strife is always good for my business. But I do think that sometimes, you know, maybe you know, there is this aspect that says there's more to life than just politics, and there's more to America than just the political process. I think both of these gentlemen, you know, make a very good point, you know, basically on the aspiration you know, being aspirated, you know, this but there is something else that like here's an interesting aspect. You know, tomorrow you're gonna to have two football games, you're gonna have Thanksgiving, you're gonna have family gatherings and all you know, we stated on my show, you know, we will find a way to communicate with each other. You know, some truth you know, I mean, I got two children, they're gonna be like about almost you know, three thousand miles apart and we're gonna be right there in the middle and we're gonna find a way through modern technology, you know, af- you know after football to basically communicate with each other and have our own fun. You know, we call it like a night a Netflix night. <laughs> uh where we're gonna base you know, basically we're gonna all get together a Netflix and uh you know, whatever movie we decide to do and go from there and just, you know, communicate. And I think
1: uh
3: Tune into you and the law with Chief Virgil Green and Chief Keith Humphrey. The show focuses on law enforcement and their relationship with the black community while letting you know your legal rights as a citizen when confronted by the police. Listen live every Tuesday night from 7 p.m. to 8 p.m. Eastern at blogtalkradio.com. And the podcast every Monday through Sunday at 4 a.m. and 6 p.m. Eastern at thebachelornews.airtime.pro.
1: Yeah. Can you hear me now? Yeah. Okay. Uh, go ahead. Are, are we on? Yes, you are.
4: Millions okay. of people are now listening to you right this moment.
1: Okay. All right. I'm sorry. <laughs> but no
5: pressure. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah <but> no
5: pressure. <laughs>
1: well, okay. Um, yeah, well that, that'll do it for pressure tonight. Um, all right, well listen, I I just like to uh, to uh, ask everybody just to, to 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 take a kind of an informal role here. And when you hear something you'd like to comment on, just to go ahead and talk to us. Don't wait for a question from me because as you can tell, I'm sometimes not even audible. <laughs> so, <laughs> so 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 uh, um we've got kind of a uh, Difference of opinion here, and uh, I'd like to follow that up. Um, L.A., do you have any other, any second thoughts about anything that you've uh, started?
6: No, if it's, I I, I didn't, um, you know, uh, join this call for politics. I mean, we certainly can, but again, I
1: don't, I'm just thinking of political values, the values of, of, of uh, of what we have as as members of this uh, political entity, and uh, that would be uh, uh, you know some some of the things you guys have been talking about, and I guess you 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 have a your family too, and you're probably very interested in uh, taking everybody uh, out to dinner or something. What?
6: Well, <laughs> gee, I I think that, um, like I said, um, everybody's it's really exhausted from the political stuff. So, as you know, Doctor uh, Fida well, I have I have kids, and and um, and in our profession, there are you know left, right, middle, whatever the case may be. But at this point, um, we're just t- I'm just tired. Like, so we just want to. Just kind of move forward from whatever it is and um, just kind of enjoy the holiday in the midst of COVID-19, which I would hope that everybody on this call would understand. It might be different degrees or extremes of the COVID-19, but it is COVID-19. So um, I'm just you know, I'm, I'm, ex- I'm, I'm tired. Like it, it, the, the political stuff I'm done with and, and a lot of people are. And so, um, you know, January 20th, it, it, it moves forward or whatever. But at this point, it's just, I'm just thankful to be alive and thankful to have my kids and thankful for you and Tom and your guests and everybody else. And, and we just kind of move forward from there. So,
1: well, your, uh, your kids like, uh, like the horses too, right? <laughs> they love, they absolutely love
6: they're, 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 Dr. Peter was being a little uh, secretive, but, uh, they absolutely, uh, uh, Doc is a, a good friend and, uh, they've seen his horses and everything. And we talked last night about some passings, unfortunately, but they absolutely doc love your horses and hopefully, um, Everything dies down. They'll come and see some of your, your new ones. I know you had some tragedies there, but uh, absolutely, yes, sir. They absolutely love your horses. Their, your horses didn't love me. That was a problem. Like they didn't like me. That was a problem. I came and the horse. I promise you, this is a true story. I went up to one of Dr. P horses and the horse looked at me and turned their head. And then when the kids (laughs) came over, the kids came over, they loved them. I'm like, okay, well, I guess they know. I don't, I'm not a big pet horse dog cat person, but they didn't like me, but they love the kids. So that's, that's actually a true true story. So,
1: yeah. (laughs) So, uh, so uh, Dave, what uh, what do you uh, what's your uh, take on all this?
5: Well, a couple of things. I'm in Washington D.C., actually Arlington, Virginia, which is right across the river from Washington D.C., and it's like the political class doesn't want to quit. There's two fundamental struggles going on between those who want a bigger government and those who want a littler government. And both are trying to take advantage of the election, of people being tired, looking to see how they can get six more inches. It's like there's two football teams playing each other, but it's more than just the, ga- the end of the game. It's like for the future of the country. So that's a little disconcerting. But I think we've become so obsessed in media, on politics, that it's pushed away a lot of the other traditional things which we valued you know, non-profit activity, um, religious, and uh, being involved in synagogues, in your communities. I mean, in my little area in Arlington, Virginia, we can't really get volunteers to help with our community, but we can get people fighting with each other in politics over signs in their front yard at the drop of a hat. And that's wrong, and that needs to change. I don't know how we do that, but If we're so obsessed with politics, we're going to be consumed by it. Um, Now, that's kind of the bad news. The good news is I think there's also, ironically, a reemergence of people's sense of what America is all about and their freedom because some of those freedoms are being challenged by this unfortunate plague, COVID-19. You know, we've got state governors and elected officials making all these rules In my opinion, it's a very serious disease. One death is too many, but a lot of the science doesn't seem to be straight on point and seems to be conflicting, but I'm very conservative, so I wear a mask, I social distance, I don't have people over, I don't know, I'm constantly getting tested for COVID-19 because I can't get it, Um, and my family gets tested too. But I think there's people saying, well, who are these people making these rules, why can't I open my, my restaurant and serve people outside? Because we were told previously that sitting outside was a lot safer than being inside. You know, but now seem, some of the rules seem to be changing, and our leadership, unfortunately, are not really living by those rules, but they're looking for ways, or many of them maybe are thinking about, how do I get around them? And there have been no noticeable examples of of this all across the country, unfortunately. You know, and I was always trained and learned to be a leader. You set an example. You follow the rules. And I think a lot of, unfortunately, this will lead to the, the decline of trust in government, in the political class, and make some of our problems worse at the same time, reasserting people's belief in their fundamental freedom to do what they want and to meet with who they want and kind of assess risks for themselves so they can do things which they think are normal for Americans to do.
1: Well, what do you think we're learning? What, what, what positive uh, things have we learned uh, because of this uh strange uh thanksgiving that we're all living through i mean I, I know we're we're we've given up the uh the whole uh you know clan reunion kind of uh thanksgiving we normally would have had and, but you know um, i'm sure a lot of other people do too
6: but Doc, uh, to to your 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 guest's point, I I I I I agree with him. I think that um, um, there is an issue with the the fact that um, uh, I, I, we don't always have to agree politically. But at the end of the day, what he said, he's conservative, and they're wearing masks. So, um, with that being said. They're following the guidelines, so you have to look at who's running those guidelines in those particular states. I don't, I, I don't specifically think that it's um, people can disagree, and that's fine. But I don't think it's Republican Democrat. I think it's COVID nineteen, like it's happening, right. like people, yeah. people are yeah. dying. So, so, so he's doing what he's supposed to do that the point is what the leadership is doing um in, in that position and the fact is that um you know you're you're still trying to be responsible so that's what we need to make sure we do and and, and there lies um the connection um and the uh the the common ground that if you're whether you're Democrat, Republican, um, conservative or liberal, that you can come together, that um, there is some issues going on in that particular state, in that particular situation that you need to look at. Uh, If you're doing what you're supposed to do, if they're saying we're I mean, I'm me and my two boys are not going home for Thanksgiving. We're going to do that because that's the guidelines that comes here. I'm from Connecticut, as you know, but I'm living in North Carolina, so that's what we say. So we go home to Connecticut. Connecticut is really horrible in terms of the virus. So they're saying um, two weeks. Don't travel there. um, Right, quarantine, so we have to wait. So it makes no sense for me to go all the way there, so we're going to stay here, and we're going to do it that way, just like he's saying I'm doing the same thing. So then you have to look at the guidelines of what is the real, um, honesty uh, of what's going on. So I, 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 I totally agree with him and we have to be concerned about that because, um, the answers are really in, uh, the decisions we make politically. Like, so if, if our leadership is not giving us what we should have, then we need to vote that out, and that goes back to a whole d- different things. But I totally um, agree with what he's saying in terms of the leadership. Of the, if the mask, if they're saying mask, then wear your mask. But if they're saying your mask and and um, but they're, they're following guidelines in terms of restaurants and other things, then we have to follow that. But uh, we have to be concerned about what the leadership is saying in order to understand where we need to be with the, um, the guidelines of COVID-19, not just CDC, but just in terms of the the health professionals that are saying what's going on in our particular cities and states.
5: Right, right. I mean, Larry, so we, Amer- Americans are mature people for the most part. They're adults. They're smart. I mean, we spend more – as a teacher – we spend more money on education, I think, than pretty much any other country in the world. So we don't need people constantly reminding us, you know, you got to wear your mask. You can't social distance. We know that. We've heard that for nine months. But now we have some people in elected officials, and I've worked with them. You know, I've worked with elected officials most of my life who are getting kind of nuts by repeating things which don't seem to work before, but let's do it again, and let's do it harder this time. In Oregon, for example, they're now asking the police to investigate people who have large parties in their homes, which is a violation of the Fourth Amendment, search and seizure. But, I mean, Oregon's a state that just voted for the legalization of marijuana, for heroin, for other drugs, which caused countless pain on people who use and abuse them, and rather than spending resources making sure that that doesn't get out of hand, they're using resources knocking on Granny's door to count if there are more than 10 people in the house.
1: Hold that thought. Uh, You're listening to the Dr. Larry Show on the Bastard News Radio Network. You're listening to the Dr. Larry Show on the Master News Radio Network, <clears throat> and uh, David, you were uh, you were uh, talking about uh, some of the uh, implications of our, I guess, our our sort of uh, patriotic uh, uh, pre preconceptions, really, and, uh, and actually commitments. To, uh, to various kinds of uh, uh, to various kinds of uh, uh, commit to uh, things that we are, are the, the whole I uh, whole idea of personal freedom right. is really part of our, our DNA right and it's being kind of uh, uh, tramped trampled upon now by uh, by some of the uh, political uh, independence or political powers that be and uh, so you know we we uh i i think it's something to be very thankful for that we have that kind of uh freedom uh, you know there are a lot of countries in the world where you couldn't do that where right. if, if they You'd tell you in jail. That, yeah you, you know, you, you, they tell you how many children to have and by George if you have one more than that they uh, they force an abortion or yeah. Or they uh, put you in jail or something, so I th- I think that's uh, that that is one of the uh, major uh, things that we really ought uh, we really need to have some kind of uh, 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 gratitude for because uh, you know it's 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 really is significant
5: right. The fact that we can even talk about these subjects on the radio and the great network is something to be thankful for, because in a lot of countries, you know, I was former president of the National Association of Broadcasters, they would kick in the front door of the radio station and shut everyone down and then arrest them if they disagreed with anything that the government didn't want people to know about or to talk about. So, you know, we're we're thankful for a lot of things.
1: Well, not only that, but you know, many of the people in the world, if you look at if you look at the entire world, including Asia, um, they're really uh, in a situation where uh, this kind of freedom, you know, and you, you, know, you talk about being on the radio and talking to, what, not only that, but we can disagree on the radio, and everybody can hear, a, you know, whatever we have to say. And nobody's going to tell you that you can't talk or you can't say it or you can't do that. Um, and uh, think how think how many people in uh, in the world really don't have that kind of freedom. Right, most people in the world don't. Yeah, so we need to be thankful for that.
5: My so, point, Larry, a little before no, the ahead. break was that we're now facing because of COVID again, it's very serious. I'm not a medical doctor. I do everything I should do to protect myself and my family. But some of these kind of elected official edicts are just absurd. For example, we've now shut down restaurants in L.A. as of 5 p.m. tonight. According to statistics in L.A., 3% of the COVID cases, the positive cases, come from restaurants. 7% of the COVID cases positive cases come from federal and state buildings are we shutting down federal and state buildings no we're still paying those people they're still working but yet we're putting all these entrepreneurs who many have invested their life savings in these businesses and telling them well too bad you have to close and you have to just fend for yourself
1: but the fact that that they can they can object to that and they can fight it if they have the resources. Right,
5: right. You know it's, that it's be thankful for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: So Tom, you've been kind of quiet. Did, did, well, i just
5: Doc,
2: and, and
6: you, I just wanted to just to add that the the other part of it, just not to play advocate, but to, to be real about it, is that uh, we do live in a country. And you guys may disagree We do live in a country That there are People who say you're not Going to tell me what to do I am I have my Rights and we're not going to do that So if you tell me to turn Left I'm going to go right Because that's my right You're going to tell me to go up I'm going to go down So um, on our show I know Doc you know uh, we do deal with that, that. That in some cases, and I'm not saying in this particular case specifically in all, but we 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 are Americans that think that we, you know, you're not going to tell me what to do. We're just we're going to we have our rights and we have our uh, amendment rights and and those are those things, and that's a concern too, though, because right, you know, if it, you know we. You know, you're not going to tell me what to do. I'm an American or whatever. I'm not from a foreign country. Of course, Native Americans really are the only ones from here, but that's a whole other conversation. But we do get into our situations where we feel you're not going to tell me what to do. I don't want to wear a mask. Yeah. I'll wear a mask when I feel like wearing a mask, Dr. Fedor. And so you're not going to tell me I need to wear a mask, whether it's good for my benefit or not, because I'm American. And that is a part of the issue and conversation that has been coming up with COVID-19, Dr. Fido.
4: Can you I, know, I? I want to kind of get, jump in here because there are three things. I'm, sure. are several things I want to kind. Of, the first thing I'm going to look at is let's is like I say, tell my young co-host. You know, I feel bad for you because you live in the, you live in a blue. To me, what I think is the worst political class <laughs> in my lifetime. <laughs> you, know, I'm, you, know, you know, and, and let me give two examples of this. Okay, you have a governor who's sitting there telling people, you wear your mask. We're going to shut this down. We're going to do that. But then you find out the same guy is meeting with lobbyist without a mask, more gathering like twenty-two people in a room, and the message is what? <laughs> you have another. Well, the message basically, is yeah, he apologizes, are, but he lies about no, the, the apology. Yeah, no. The face yeah. the rule is the, to me the message was the rules are made for you little people, not for me. Right. And I also think the other aspect there's got to be a consistency. And because, because you know, like I said, I've studied the science enough to know, you know, like I said, I wear a mask because I want to be cautious. Uh, but I also want the, you know, my government to sit back and say, or the scientific community and say, look, there's a lot we don't know, but there's also a lot we do know. And and I kind of view it in this way. For example, what is the science on the mask? Yeah, you know, I would say at best it's marginal benefit. You do it. You know, you do it because it may give you a marginal benefit, but there's enough studies out there that would say it may not even be that. But when you combine it with other things, but there's an aspect that says if you tell people here's what we know and you're consistent with that message, people will listen. If you're not consistent with the message, then people are going to start ignoring you. And I, and that's the one thing that I've seen both from my what I'm going to say in the scientific class in the political class, is that I mean, regardless of political affiliation, you can go across the board. You know, how many times have you seen political leaders say you're going to do this, and then they turn around and you find them doing the complete opposite? Right? Yeah. And, and it's yeah, got to be I, I, guess,
6: that- I, I guess my question to the three of you, yeah. including Dr. Fidawa, is that if you know the mask, the mask it doesn't. Uh, doesn't stop anything. You still can get sick, but you wear the mask. Then, why not just wear the mask? I I mean, yeah. if you're going to wear the mask, if if you know it's not going to completely stop anything, but it can stop a little bit, then why not wear the mask? And I, 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 yeah. that's a, I what I understand to the three of you, I would ask that question to you. If if it, if it's it's okay, you get two percent. That can stop a little bit, but it won't stop the whole thing. Then why not just wear the two percent?
1: I don't get it. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. that's well, a I'm logical not, argument, and you yeah, know well, I, yeah. I think what they're saying is that you got a kind of a visceral, uh, illogical response. Sometimes says, "Wait a minute! Don't don't tread don't tread on my feet." Because uh, they're my feet, and by George, I, I I don't want anybody treading on them.
4: Well, yeah, if I can pull up, because here's again, I'm gonna go back to again it goes to consistency of message and understand because you know you know La makes a good point. My point, and I think there's a, but here's the thing: the message is, you know, I guess the point I would make is this: if if people if officials are gonna say, here's what we know, this is what we like to have you do. Um, this will help you in this range. And you show people doing the examples of that. I I think people, but you, people will be more willing to listen, but there have been different messages. I mean, I literally can get you pronunciation over the past nine months from the CDC. I can even give you some of their data where you've had leaders, scientists say, well, one month, is, don't wear a mask. It's not going to do it. Next month, oh my God, you better wear a mask. We're all going to all going to die there's that inconsistent as opposed to saying from day one here's what we know here's what we don't here's what we know this is why you do this it gives you a few extra percentage points advancements in the same way why take a flu shot if flu shots are 50 percent effective the answer to me would be well i'd rather be 50 percent effective than zero effective right it'll be the right. same thing when it's the same thing when the covid vaccine comes out you know, there's going to be, you know, to me, there's always going to be that aspect no matter what vaccine you're going to say and a virus. I would rather take my chances as opposed to not take my chances. But you also have to have, you know, you have to have that message consistently there and not see inconsistency.
6: But uh, right uh, that sounds, that, that sounds political to the, and I know um, uh, Dr. Uh, Peter, you got your break coming up. But I, I guess my my question is if if you put the politics aside and we're, the three of you are so sensible, like you make common sense, like you're making common sense, then if it's a percentage, Doctor Fedorov, of helping you, then why not just put the little thing to the side and just do the little. And do yeah. that, and well, worry about the politics to the side. Like I don't understand why people can't just. I'm not well, saying that you well, have well, to. I'm just saying I don't. I don't get it. I don't understand yeah, that. Let me, ask, I don't, let me
4: ask you this question, Ella, and I want to ask everybody this question because here's the other aspect comes. Let me ask, and the question to I would ask it looks like we may, you know, you know, Dr. Lara, are we close to running on that timelines uh, we yeah. the next. But, we are okay, but my next. But here's the question: Is how far are you willing to go? I mean, are you willing to arrest people? find people I mean, how far are you willing to go with some of these you know i you know you know whether wearing a mask or or you know restaurants or that type of deal? how far are you willing to go because we've seen governments go you know to me when you start arresting people finding people you know is is that too far and we' we'll, you know I'll, I'll, I'll
3: tell
1: you what, Dr. Larry. I'll well, hold, hold that thought. Uh, we're listening to Dr. Larry's show on the Bachelor News Radio Network.
3: If you want real discussions on politics, social issues, racial issues, and other topics, then tune into the Bachelor News Radio Show. Listen live every Monday and Thursday from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. Eastern at blogshawkradio.com. And if you missed the show, you can listen every Monday through Saturday at 8 a.m. and 3 p.m. Eastern and every Sunday at 5 a.m. and 3 p.m. at the Pro, Listen and be informed.
1: You're listening to the Dr. Larry Show on the Bachelor News Radio Network. Uh, Tom, you were making a point.
2: Yeah, I mean,
4: yeah, I guess my point is how far are, you, are we
1: willing to go
4: or tolerate let's say, for example, enforce an edict that may, say, give you two or three extra percentage points of not getting a specific virus. I mean, do you, are you want to arrest people? Do you want to fine people? Or you know, how far you want to go? Because that – you're seeing people getting arrested. You're seeing people get fined on these things. You, I mean, you have a governor basically saying, you know, tell on your friends if they got more than 10 people in a room, and are you going to you know, knock down the door? I mean, how far you want to go?
6: Because there's a, that aspect as well.
5: Yeah. And and then the, the,
6: question, then, the then the then Tom and and Doc and you get it, it, the politics plays into it because it's no different than Roe versus weight. Because if you have someone who thinks that um, in Iowa or Connecticut, Iowa being different than Connecticut in terms of politics uh then the the mass will play into it so uh in Connecticut yeah absolutely i I don't even live back home um absolutely the the mass plays into it and so we're not going to do it and here's what we're going to do as opposed to where i'm living now in the, in North Carolina which is not as and we you know obviously here uh, a democratic um uh, governor but it, it it the politics is not the same so um i i I would think again going back to what the conversation was it, it really it boils down to the the leadership because um I'm with you like if if it makes sense to wear a mask I'm going to wear a mask if it doesn't in my state that's not infected and I'm not traveling and this is my own opinion, my own opinion, I'm not traveling to Las Vegas or going back home to Connecticut or whatever, then it won't be as bad. But so, but it has to be some leadership there, um, as you guys were saying. Uh, it has to be that. It can't just be one shop fits all. It can't be one state fits all. Because one state fits all, we'll all be in a bad position. So that that would be my answer.
5: Yeah. Let me just add, I, I agree with L.A. My view on masks is I'm an economist, so I look at the cost of wearing a mask as relatively close to zero. And the benefit of having the mask on is maybe I don't infect somebody if I have COVID, which I don't. Maybe they don't get their COVID germs on me. So there's a benefit to wearing a mask as well as being part of a greater community. You know, we're all Americans. We should all help each other and we should wear masks. But that's very different than people saying you should wear your mask between bites of food in your own home with your family. Then I would like someone to show me the science says that works and the science doesn't say that it's really unclear. And I think what's happening is a lot of these elected leaders started out with, shut, you know, we got this this plague from China, it came here, it started killing a lot of people. We didn't, we haven't faced it before. We didn't know how it spread. The media put fear into everybody that if you walk down the street, you are going to get COVID-19 and die, because they focus on the people who have it, not on the fatalities. Unfortunately. Um, so everyone's scared the numbers going up and everybody's getting it our kids in school will get it but schools are one of the safest places to be not to get covid Um, and then we are just like replicating the same thing we did earlier in the year hoping that we'll get a better result this time thank god the vaccine is around the corner and we'll be able to start injecting people with the vaccine there'll be people who don't take it but you know like the flu people don't take that you'll get the flu i've had several friends who've had covid-19 they've all gotten sick they're all better now but i've also known people who have friends who died from covid-19 so it's very it's very serious but we need to have our elected leadership or our leaders really say as la said here's where we are here's what we know here's why you should do it but not start waving a magic uh, baton and say, and if you don't, this is what's going to happen to you. Because people don't like being bossed around by other people.
1: Well, I, I think, I think to, to, to L.A.'s point, he, he's saying, he's saying that, that we really need to lead by, com- by convincing people. In other words, we need to have leadership right. um, as opposed to coercion. Right and and I think that I think that that's that that's an entirely legitimate point of view. In fact, that's what America really is all about. You know, right. the, the whole idea is that we go we go and we, we people are free, and they're free to do what they really think is best. And the and the only way that you should be able to uh, uh, change their behavior is by convincing them that. Uh, that they, that they ought to do it, and not not really. trying to force them to do it.
5: Right, right. And unfortunately, this kind of brings us back to full circle on politics again. You know, anybody can run for any office in America. We're thankful that they have that. We all have that freedom, but we have a lot of stupid people in politics. I mean, really stupid people who and are. You completely.
1: really know too. Yeah, I mean,
5: I've <laughs> yeah. been on all sides: liberals, conservatives, I, I Democrats, Republicans. Agree. And they're just absurd when they make these statements. And it's like, why do you say that? You know, when, they, when they, uh, the governor of Oregon, who I think is really stupid, uh, but she's elected by the people and they'll have to recall her if they don't like her leadership, says to a reporter, well, I think the police should go, knock on doors and search people's homes to make sure they're not violating my edict. Well, who the hell are you? To say that people can't have Thanksgiving with nine other members of their family when they're responsible enough to wash their hands, to wear masks, to get COVID tests, you know, you have no business in this in the lives of other people. Yeah. Yeah. Can I change the
4: subject a little bit? Because, yeah. I mean, Dr. Larry, this is one of you, this is one of you and Dr. Lair's areas of expertise because you understand production of vaccines. And, And uh, the and what I find fascinating though is that we literally in the United States and Great Britain, by uh, two of the most entrepreneurial nation, we literally have three or four vaccines within a year. Something has never been done before, and we've seen a lot of different treatments coming out. Something is, you know, you know, and and it's there's an aspect that says if you want to know the power of a society or the power of what we are as a people, you know. Give us a goal, give us an objective and watch us obtain it. Much in the same way when John F. Kennedy said, We're going to the moon at by the end of this decade. We went to the moon. And it's the same thing here. We want a vaccine as quickly as possible. We got four three or four already sitting right there, uh, ready to be used and ready to be distributed over the next two or three weeks. That and and this is an area again directly you can point out too because it's to me, one of the most fascinating aspects of this, because I had people tell me this cannot be done. And I was one of the few people who said, you know what? I think we can do it strictly because unleash the entrepreneurship of this, of this country and the, the minds of this country, and you'll find what we can not are capable of doing. I, I totally agree. But, with it,
6: and, but there, even to the point of what, um, uh, Tom said, which makes a lot of sense. The 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 concern, the issue, the the um, transition, if you will, guys, is that if you looked at Roosevelt to Truman, like Truman w- walked into like so much mess, and and I'm not saying that that this particular case. I'm just saying that. There's a tr- uh, a transition that has to happen, and there are some things that need to happen even state by state. But it has to happen, and we can't um um and and just you know I know what Tom and 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 you Doc like it it can't just be from the uh, transition from. Conservative to uh, liberal, it's got to go the other way. Like it it has to. It there's got to be a real transition of power. Like, and then you can get into whatever you want. You can argue about Biden or whatever the case. You can argue all day, every day, every single day, every show, everything. But at the end but but the before the that that happens, it has to be some kind of civility that has to happen, and when that happens, then you go from civility to that conversation, and this is wrong, and everything else. That's all I'm saying it's like we have um the issues, because if you guys go back to, um, the shows that obviously you guys have done shows with me, but that back to four years with, with Mr. Trump had, uh, one, uh, I said the same thing. Like at, at the end of the day, like, I've, and, and by the way, and I don't want people to get on me, but I'm not a, a Clinton fan. I'm not, and it, 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 Tom knows this anyway. So anyway, yeah. but uh, I'm not a I'm not a Hillary um, fan or a Quentin fan. But anyway, uh, at, at the end of the day, there, even there in 2016, there's a transition of power. So we have to have that. So it it's got to be something so people can go, oh man, I'm done. I voted. I'm done. So let me just get a minute to just be done with everything. I don't want to drink my orange juice on that. I just want to just be done, and that's it. (laughs) Excuse me. And that's where people are that I'm talking to on my show. They're just, like, tired, like, enough is enough already. They just want to be just done with it and move forward. Whatever whatever move forward is is move forward, but they just want to be done and move forward. Is what I'm getting. Right, yeah, right. Well, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Go ahead, Tom.
4: If I could just make a quick point, because here's the the other point to me that I would you know, and I kinda like to you know, get your opinion, Dave, on this, is that sometimes you know, what we when I look at the let's say the warp speed, the vaccine, it goes to something beyond that, namely as opposed to just strictly looking for saviors, we look to ourselves to get things done, our local community, because we're more than just a government. We're a society beyond which a government is just one aspect. Churches are one aspect. You know, businesses are one aspect. The private uh, charitable are one aspect. There's a whole society that's beyond just the government side of the equation. And I think sometimes We need to be reminded that there's more to our society than just the government side of it, the private sector side, the religious side. There's so much aspects to America that we're not even talking about. That's there, that exists, that is invisible to a lot of people, but it's there. And this vaccine, the the market side of the vaccine is just a reminder. There's something beyond that, that, you know, once you liberate people things, go beyond and get things beyond what we even dream
5: right right let me just add la there is actually a transition going on in dc i mean we hear all this infighting about did you release the money did you not release the money but that's all the secondary level people for both trump and biden fighting with each other to get in the media you know they've released the funds They're picking people. I was involved a little bit in the Obama transition, and a lot of the money we spend is to just hire the future employees of the federal government early. So rather than starting in January, they get put on payroll in November, and they write reports, and they have meetings, and they're all busy running around, but they're not accomplishing a whole lot. So I'm even skeptical now with all the money that we spent on COVID, on funding a lot of these transition initiatives because they don't really produce anything other than paper, which no one bothers to read and is quickly forgotten. But there is a good transition going on. Um, We'll see how the election results turn out. We have a constitutional process we followed. A lot of the people on the left forget that Gore spent like a bunch of days contesting the Bush presidency and then he later decided it wasn't worth it anymore, and he basically threw in the towel. And I think Trump is kind of doing the same thing on the right now. But we just got to let the process run and not be so obsessed with, well, who's our president? Who's our president? You know, America's a huge country and continues to move, and everything is fine, and everything will be yeah, fine.
6: So, so, but uh, uh, just so you know, though. Um as you mentioned, and I, I appreciate you um, agreeing with that, is that I'm black. So I, I'm not trying to hear all what Trump is 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 saying if he's not going to agree with anything that has anything to do with black and brown, point blank, period, right. at, at all. So yeah. if, if it's not going to be black or brown, I I have nothing to do with that. Um, Yeah. Having said that, having said that, like I said, like I said, with with Dr. Fido and with Tom, I I don't, I'm in problem with that. The the only thing I'm saying is that uh, if we're at that point uh, is black and brown, I need to see what's going on in that regard because I'm not you know we we you know we just coming to the table and you know right you don't want to be no,
5: you you don't want to be left out we don't we shouldn't have anybody in america left out right. no matter right. what the color yeah. of their skin and, and, is or where they're from and
6: yeah. right and then I've, I've listened to you before and 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 dr Peter, so i i understand so i'm i'm with you on that all all i'm saying is that um, at the end of the day whatever they got going on they need to have some black and brown up in there to have some conversations because that that's really from where our standpoint is is where where we're um we're looking at
5: so right well, we have to be sure everybody's voice is heard like i'm a sure. huge I'm a huge guy on uh uh inclusion because I think best yeah. decisions are made by a lot of people, not just a few people. Yep. You know, and sometimes you probably had an experience in your business where somebody like out of the blue suggests something and you go, that's a great idea. Why didn't we do that before? I mean, I've had it in my own life as well. Um, But I want to reassure the listeners that the transition is going on. It's still going to be a hard fought campaign on the Electoral College until all the legal remedies are exhausted. And then we'll see where the chips fall as they may.
1: Well, I started right. so
6: the, uh, it's just, you just, so, um, for, for the record, I mean, with, with Tom and, uh, Dr. Peter was, so I'm, I'm, I'm good with that. I know that that's going to happen. So I'm not worried about that, but go ahead. Dr.
1: Peter, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was, uh, I started the, uh, the column with the definition of patience, Uh, <laughs> and, uh, I really think that that that's part of where what our problem is right now is that it's just so hard to be patient with all this stuff
6: right and yes, sir. uh yeah.
1: and yet yet we do have a system and we do have all these these laws are there for a reason and the fact that they're being used uh you know it's just it's that's that's it i guess so uh, we're now at the point where we're getting, we're running out of time, and I want to thank all you guys for uh, giving us a pretty, uh, pretty uh, uh, interesting hour that uh, allows us to uh, find out, you know, what are some of the implications of of the life that we're we're uh, leading and, and that uh, we're trying to get everybody uh, together again as Americans, and uh, that is um, going to have to be my final statement because I think we're just about out of time. So happy happy Thanksgiving, everybody, and thanks to you guys for coming on and And and, uh, helping us out. Yeah. Yeah. All right.
4: Thank
5: you,